440 and voices carrying beautiful melodies unto the Lord just can't get any better than it is right here at Bible Baptist Church. That song just takes me back to a precious memory that I'm going to share with you. When my oldest son made his profession of faith, my youngest son was probably about five years old at that time, and we were celebrating as a family, and Alistair said, well, you know, Dad, there's just one more person that needs to make things right with the Lord in our house. And little Andrew raised his hand and said, I'm working on it, me and Jesus. (laughs) But what a blessing it is to know that your account is settled with the Lord, and if you're a parent or grandparent, to know that of your children and your children's children, uh, to know that, that your family is saved and at peace with the Lord. Uh, That is one of the greatest blessings of life. I want to ask you this morning if you know what today is. How many of you know what today is? Well, some of you are a little confused by my question. It's not really a hard question, and there are a variety of ways you can answer it. Someone might say, well, here we are in the church building, singing together, worshiping together, and you're up about to preach, so duh, it must be Sunday. Some of you would answer it that way. Some of you would go back to what I said a little earlier, and you would say, I know what today is. It's the very first day of the week, and that would be an appropriate answer. Some of you might would go to the calendar and say that today is October the 29th, And if that would be your answer, you'd be correct. That is the calendar date. Some of you might even know which day of the year today is. Today is the 302nd day of 2023. Can you believe that? Just a few more days and the calendar will turn over from 2023 to 2024. So it's the 302nd day day of the year. Others of you may think about today historically. Any history buffs in the room this morning? If you are, you probably know that today is the date of Black Tuesday. Back in 1929, on October the 29th, the stock market here in the U.S. crashed and sent us in to what we know as the Great Depression. If you're a sports fan in the room today, you might know that it was on October the 29th in 2003 that LeBron played his first NBA basketball game. Can you believe that Joker's been playing now for two full decades? So you could answer that question in so many different ways, but I think that the Bible actually answers my question better than any other way. It's better than the guy that I heard about who woke up on a cold February morning and he stumbled down the steps to the kitchen and then stepped out from the kitchen to the front room and out the front door and he grabbed the morning newspaper as he was in the habit of doing, walked back to the kitchen, poured himself a cup of coffee and started to slurp out of that coffee cup and just kind of buried his head down in the headlines of the page. Well, his wife was about sick and tired of his behavior, 
And she walked over to him that morning and peeled down a corner of the page and said, Buster, here you are again. I made the coffee. You didn't even say thank you. You just got up and poured your cup of coffee, and you're just staring at that paper. You've not even said I love you to me this morning. You've not even said good morning. I'll bet you don't even know what today is. That kind of got his goat, and he threw down the paper and stormed out the door. And on his way out, he hollered back into his wife and said, Honey, I do know what today is, and before it's over, I will have proved it to you. So he goes on to work, and he thought, Hmm, what is today? Oh, it's February. I know what today is. And so he made some orders, and a little bit after that, there was a knock on the door of his home, and it was a delivery person from the flower shop with a beautiful bouquet of fresh-cut flowers, had a note tucked in it that said, I told you, honey, I know what today is. A little bit after that, another knock at the door, and this time it was a delivery person from the chocolate shop with a beautiful box of chocolates. Again, a note tucked into the top of that box that said, See there, I know what today is. About an hour or so after that, a department store delivery person shows up at the door, knocks on it, she answers it. It's a beautifully wrapped package. She flies into it, opens it up, and it's that beautiful dress that she had been eyeballing for some time at the department store. And she thought, well, he's proved it, and so I'm going to make his favorite dinner. He gets home from work later that afternoon, and he could smell the dinner as he walked into the door. She came down the steps of the home in that beautiful new dress and just sort of flung herself into his arms and said, baby... Thank you for making this the greatest Groundhog Day of my life. (laughs) Well, let's see what the Bible says about today. And I want you to do something with me. If you just humor me for a moment, I want you to pull out your copy of the Word of God, your paper copy, if you have it. For those of you that access God's Word digitally, this won't work for you, but pretend. But if you can pull out your paper copy of the Word of God and just look at the pages gathered and eyeball it for me and try to open your Bible at what seems to be the very center of the Word of God. Will you try that for me? Just open it up to what seems to you to be the center of God's Word. And if you've been able to open it up to the center chapter of Scripture you've opened it up to Psalm 118. Psalm 118 is the center chapter of English copies of the Word of God. Actually, verse 8 is the center verse of Scripture, but I want you to go on down to verse 24. Psalm 118, verse 24, I believe answers my question the very best. And this is a memory verse. I'd almost guarantee that you have this verse memorized. Maybe you didn't know the location of it, but you know the verse. Why don't you do this with me if you would and you're able. Let's stand one more time very quickly and let's just read or quote Psalm 118 verse 24 out loud together. This is what today is. Here we go. This is the day which the Lord hath made We will rejoice and be glad in it. 
One more time. You can do better than that. Don't even look down. Look at me. Let me hear you. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, thank you that this is the day that you've made. Lord, uh, this day is unlike any other day. Father, you've done things, wonderful things in the past. You've led us through other days in the past. But Father, this is another day. This is a new day. It has been since 12 a.m. last night. And I pray, Father, that we would learn to seize the day. That, Father, we would learn to appreciate the day. And that, Father, we would learn to use our time in each and every day to the very best of our ability in a way that glorifies you, blesses others, and makes a difference in the world in which we live. I pray and I ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And people of God, say with me this morning, amen. Thank you. Would you be seated? If we could take a field trip to Washington, D.C., up in the northwestern corner of the city, we could make our way to what's called the United States Naval Observatory. And you probably know that the U.S. Naval Observatory are the timekeepers for the United States of America. If we walked onto their campus, I'm told in the very center of the campus is a protected, fairly large concrete building that has all types of devices in it. And I could talk to you more about those devices, but I want you to listen to what they do with those devices. They keep the correct time for us in the United States, and we know that it's absolutely correct all the way down to one billionth of a second. I want you to think about that. That's the kind of time that you and I have access to as citizens of the United States of America. I don't know about you. I don't wear a watch anymore, and I haven't since I started carrying a cell phone Because here's what I know about my cell phone. It's connected to a system that's ultimately connected to the United States Naval Observatory, and I've got exactly the right time. Now, my wife is one of those that likes to go around the house and set the clocks about 10 minutes faster than they ought to be. And she thinks that keeps her on time. But I want you to know she's not here this morning, and I know you won't repeat me when you see her the next time. It doesn't do any good. Because you know what she does? She looks at that clock and she says, well, I actually have 10 more minutes. And so that's how she uh, does her timing. But for me, I like to know exactly what time it is, and we can do that because of what the United States Naval Observatory does for us here in America. We need precisely measured time because of all the things around us that we use on a daily basis, like our cell phones, like the satellite systems that feed our televisions, like all of those global positioning things that feed us when we need directions and those kinds of things. We need 
precisely measured units of time. And I'm saying to you this morning that in a way, we really guard time and we want to know specifically what time it is, but at the same time, we don't mind to waste time. And that's really a shame. You know, Benjamin Franklin, one of our country's forefathers, used to pose a question. Here was his question. He would say, dost thou love life? And most people would say, yeah, I love life. I love being alive. I love interacting with my family and friends, etc. I love life. And then he would say this, then do not squander time because time is the stuff that life is made of. In other words, this is what he was saying. When your time is spent, your life is finished. In other words, time equals life. Now, we have all kinds of things in our life that could give it a better quality, but as far as what life is made of, it's this little thing called time, and we need to learn how to use our time expeditiously in a way that honors God and in a way that improves the quality of our lives and in a way that betters the lives of people around us. Job said it best in Job 14 verse 5. He said, man's days are determined. And he said, Lord, you have decreed the number of his months and you have set limits that cannot be exceeded. What do you think about that? God knows when we're born, God knows the longevity of our lives, and God knows when our lives are over. And the bottom line is this, we only have so many days. So isn't it true that we need to learn how to value time? Isn't it true that we need to learn how to best use each and every day that the Lord has given us? I want to say three things about this verse And they have everything to do with the way you and I use our time. First thing I want to say about your time or about your day is be thankful for it. Be thankful for it. Notice again what the verse says. This is the day which the Lord hath made. Don't overlook the central truth of this one verse of Scripture. And the central truth is this. God makes the day. Would you say that with me? Here we go. God makes the day. No one else can make a day except for holy God. Isn't that true? Only God can make a day, and God's been in the day-making business for a long time. Think about it like this. The first day that was a day, God made it. The Bible tells us about creation. And aren't we thankful this morning that we really do know where we've come from? The Bible's very clear about that. And we know where this world has come from. And frankly, we know where this world is going. But God, when He created everything, the Bible talks about the fact that God stands before a blank canvas. 
Now, it's hard for you and I to imagine nothing because our worlds are full of something. But there was a time when there was nothing because God hadn't created the world as we know it yet. And so there stands God on the precipice of heaven and he looks out over a vast concourse of nothing and he speaks into existence everything that we know that exists. The Bible says on the first day of creation, God simply said, let there be light. And scripture says there was light. At God's decree, the sun came into being. So God said, let there be light. There was light. God saw that the light was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. The darkness He called night and the light he called day. And scripture says there was evening and morning the first what? Day. So God created the first day. And every day that has been a day since God created the first day has been masterfully created by a loving God. So this is the day which the Lord hath made. And so if God makes the day, that means he owns the day, he rules the day. And out of his loving kindness, he's allowed you to be in the day. So for each and every day, we ought to say, Lord, I'm thankful for the day. I think that's where it begins. If you want to use your time the way that God intends you to use your time, if you want to use your moments in the best way possible, I think it begins with that acknowledgement. God, this is the day that you've made. And by your grace, you've allowed me to be in this day. Lord, were it not for you, I wouldn't be here today. And so I receive it as a gift from you, and I'm thankful for it. Do you know who I think was thankful for each and every day he had on planet earth? I think none other than our Savior Jesus Christ. He was thankful for his days. And that helped him use his days to the best of his ability. Now you might be saying, well, Brother Allen, he he is God. Jesus is God. We'll be talking much more about that in the next few weeks as we approach the Christmas season. And yes, you're right. Jesus was God, but at the same time, he was 100% man. You know what that means? Jesus, as a man, had 24 hours in his day, just like you have 24 hours in your day. And I want you to think about the fact that Jesus completely and radically changed this world in just a little amount of time. Here's what we know about the life of Christ. Jesus was about 30 years old when he was baptized by John the Baptist and he engages his public ministry. At about 33 years of age, he goes to the cross and he dies for our sins and then comes up out of the grave three days later and then spends 40 days upon the earth proving his resurrection. Then he ascends. But listen to me. 
in about three years of time. Think about that. Three years of time, Jesus completely and totally changed this world. Let me ask you this morning, has this world ever been the same since the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ? Never. I want you to listen to what Jesus prays in his high priestly prayer. In John's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 4, Jesus begins to pray with his apostles in the upper room. And here's part of his prayer. He prays, I have glorified you on the earth. He's talking to God the Father. And he says, I've glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you have given me to do. Listen to that. Jesus says, God, I have glorified you in my 33 years of life. In my three years of public ministry, God, I have finished the work that you've sent me to do. I think that all begins by acknowledging that whatever day God gives you upon the earth is a beautiful gift. And it's a gift that you ought not take for granted. You ought to be thankful for it and use it the very best way that you can. So using your time, the way that God wants you to use your time, I think it begins by being thankful for the day. Second lesson we need to learn this morning is to be careful with the day. We're thankful for the day, but we ought to be careful with the day. I want you to look at our verse again, and I'm going to put emphasis on a particular word, and I want you to pick it up. Listen, this is the day which the Lord hath made. You caught the emphasis, I hope. What day is the psalmist talking about? He's talking about this day. The psalmist isn't talking about that day or the day which will be. He puts it in the present tense. He doesn't use the past tense saying, that was the day which the Lord made. But we know that God made yesterday. But he's talking about this day. He doesn't put it in the future tense. He doesn't say that will be the day the Lord will make. Although we know that if there is a tomorrow, it's because God decrees for there to be a tomorrow. But God is interested in how we use this day. This, the psalmist writes, is the day which the Lord hath made. Sometimes we talk about saving time. And we even speak about having time-saving devices. But here's the true point. You can't save time. Now, you may be able to get tasks done more quickly and have more time to use for something else. But you see what I'm saying? You cannot take time and put it in a bank. You can save money. You can stockpile food, but listen closely, you can only spend time. Tick, tock, tick, tock, the clock goes and it never stops. So you can only spend your moments and the truth is when one moment is spent, it shall never, ever return.
How many of you wish, like I wish, that sometimes you could take back time? Would you like to go back and make other decisions? Do you regret some things? Are there things you should have done that you didn't do that you also regret? Absolutely, but the truth of the matter is, yesterday is gone and it will never, ever return. It's true for you, it's true for me, it's true for us as a congregation. We cannot go back and live in a former day. We can only live in this day. Now God wants us to be wise and He wants us to plan about how we'll spend our moments in the future, tomorrow and beyond. But the fact of the matter is we can only live today. Here's what I want you to know. As far as what you can count on, brothers and sisters, it is only today. Here's what it means. If there's something you need to do, that you truly need to do, Do you know when you need to do it? Now. I love the old Yogi Berra quotes. You know, Yogi had a way of putting things. And one day a guy walked up to Yogi Berra and said, Yogi, what time is it? He didn't even look down at his watch. He simply looked at the guy and said this, The time is now. And isn't that true? The time is always now. If you need to be saved, you need to be saved today. If there's somebody under the sound of my voice and you know that you're a sinner in the hands of a holy God and you need to be saved, listen, I would not wait for the moment of invitation. I'd get saved right now. I promise you this. Somebody stepped forward saying, I need to be saved right now we would church stop everything that we're doing right so that that person could settle his account with God. See, if you need to be saved, you ought to get saved today. If there's someone that you're out of fellowship with, you know when you need to settle that? You need to do it today. I could tell you all kinds of stories over my pastoral ministry and counseling with people who have lost loved ones and they wish they could have gone back just a few moments and had a conversation they had been putting off. If you need to make it right with somebody, you ought to make it right today. If you need to answer a call that God has placed on your life, something that God has said for you to do, and you keep rejecting and you keep saying no, do you know when you need to say yes? Today! And just trust God. When God guides, He provides, right? And you ought to just say yes today. You see, the days are going to stop sometime. And if that day is today for you, you will have wished that you did everything you ought to have done and you did it today. True story. A few years ago, uh, when I was working for Kentucky Baptist Convention. I was here in Rockcastle County 
meeting with Brother Randy McFerrin. We were working together on a mutual project. And we began to talk about a great man of God. Some of you knew him by the name of R.C. Flynn. How many of you remember Pastor R.C. Flynn? Great, great man of God. And I was talking to Brother Randy that day, and I said to him, I said, Randy, Brother R.C. has gone to be with the Lord. And Randy said, no, Alan, you've got that wrong. Brother R.C. is still very much alive. He still uh, fills in in some of our churches and that kind of thing. As a matter of fact, and he told me where it was, here's where he lives down in Broadhead. And so I left Randy, and I thought to myself, you know, one of these days, when I'm back through Rockcastle County, I'm going to go and see Brother R.C. And I wish I could tell you that I did this right every time, but I don't. But that day I did. It hit me like a lightning bolt. And I recalled my conversation with Randy, how I already thought Brother R.C. had passed away. This was in the fall of the year, about this time of the year. And we talked about his age, and I said, this is an 80-something-year-old man. If I want to see him, I better go see him today. And that's what I did. I just laid aside my schedule for the remaining moments that afternoon, drove down to Broadhead, knocked on his door. He opened it up. I didn't know if he'd even recognize me because it had been a long time since he had seen me. He opened up that door, and he knew me immediately. Those of you that knew Brother R.C., that probably doesn't surprise you. And he said, Brother Allen, come in. We've got a lot to talk about. And we sat down together, and we laughed together. We cried together. We prayed together. And I don't know if I was a blessing to him that day, but I can tell you this, he was a blessing to me. And I'll never forget it. I went on my way home, and about six weeks after that, Randy called me back and said, Brother Allen, I was just calling to let you know that Brother R.C. passed away. Here's what I'm saying to you. If God has something on your heart and in your mind that you ought to do, my friend, you ought to do it today. Some of you ought to go home this afternoon and make some calls. Someone might need to get out a pen and a pad of paper and put a letter in a mail or send an email. Is there something that God wants you to do? If there is, you need to do it today. Be thankful for the day. Be careful with the day. And then last of all, let me say this. Be rejoiceful in the day. And now what the psalmist tells us to do, he says, this is the day which the Lord hath made. And church will do what? We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, what I want you to see as we close this morning is that Psalm 118.24 is not a Sunday-only verse. It's not. Now, we recite it a lot on Sunday. Sometimes we sing it in the old chorus. This is the day the Lord has made. But it's an everyday verse. You see, if it's God's will for it to be an October 30th tomorrow, 
This will be a verse for that day. And even though it's easy on a Sunday morning like this to come together with the people of God and sing praises to the Lord and rejoice and be glad in the Lord, tomorrow it may not be this easy. Tomorrow may be a dark night of the soul. But we used to sing a little chorus in the church where I grew up that simply says this, It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. I don't worry when things go wrong, but Jesus fills my heart with a song. It's amazing what praising can do. Here's what I'm saying to you. Even on the hard day, even on the bad hair day, even on the dark night of the soul kind of day, if you will just look to heaven and see what God has done for you and recall the promises that God has given you, if you will just see how blessed you are from our Heavenly Father, I'm telling you, there will be a reason to rejoice. And God will do an amazing thing in your heart and in your life. Let, let me close just by using a biblical illustration. One of my favorite stories in Acts chapter 16. Paul had heard the Macedonian call and the gospel of Jesus was starting to spread from one continent to the next. By the way, this is just an aside and doesn't cost you anything else, but do you realize that you and I are here this morning as a direct effect of the Macedonian call? As the gospel spread from Asia into Europe and our forefathers in Europe began to hear the gospel and ultimately there came that time when they decided we're going to go to a new land where we can worship God according to what the Bible says and the dictates of our heart and not what some king says. And that's why you and I are here today. A direct result of the Macedonian call. But listen, you know the story. Paul had the call. Paul and Silas were in Europe in a little place called Philippi. And they got there. And Scripture tells us there was this little slave girl that followed them around. And and Paul finally casted the demon out of that slave girl. And her owner was not happy about it because he couldn't profit from her anymore. And everybody in town began to be upset with Paul and Silas to the place that they were captured, they were beat up, bruised up, bloodied up, and thrown into jail. Well, you know the rest of the story. There's Paul and Silas, dark night of the soul, in jail. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, that on that night at about midnight, they started praying and singing. (laughs) I get the praying part, right? I mean, if you're in jail, you're probably praying something like this, Lord, I don't deserve to be here. I'm here because I'm following your call on my life. Get me out. But I don't think that was their prayer. 
I think Paul and Silas prayed something like this, Lord, use us while we're in this Philippian jail cell. And the Bible says that that night they started singing. Imagine that. Here we are in a nice place like this, and some of us didn't even sing this morning. But there they are in a jail cell, bruised up, bloody noses, in chains and shackles, and they started singing their praises to God. And you know the rest of the story. Heard no preacher years ago put it like this. He said, that night, 2,000 years before Elvis Presley was ever thought of, the jailhouse rocked. And boy, it did, didn't it? They began to sing their praises to God, and all of a sudden the earthquake came, and the shackles fell off, and the doors of the prison were brought down, and the men of God were set free. And God was honored and glorified to the place. The Bible says that the jailkeeper and his whole household came to know Jesus Christ. It's amazing what praising can do. Now my friend, I'm not speaking to you as one who does not know. And I'm just saying, When times are tough, when losses are hard, when days are difficult, if you will just turn to God and begin to pray and to begin to sing, I'm saying to you that God will do a miracle in your heart. Now, He doesn't always bring the jail cell apart, break it apart. He doesn't always move and heal like you think that He does. But I'm saying to you, He will do a miracle in your heart and that's where we need it most. I testify of having a crushed spirit but being able to look to God and praise Him and sing to Him and glorify Him And be able to say, Lord, this is the day that you've made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Are you thankful for your day? Are you careful with your day? Are you rejoiceful in your day? You ought to be, because this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Would you stand with me and bow your heads? Lord God, I want to thank you this morning for the blessing of being alive and being a part, Lord, of what you're doing on planet earth right now, and Lord, thank you for the great promise that even if we weren't through Jesus Christ, we have a better place to be. But Father, as long as we have time, as long as we have days, help us use them in a way that honors you, in a way that makes our lives better, 
in a way that makes the lives of people around us better. Lord, if there's one here today that needs to make a decision for you today, someone who needs to cross from death to life by trusting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Father, someone a child of yours that needs to step forward and say, I say yes to this calling. In obedience, I say yes today. I pray he or she would do it. Lord, be glorified, be honored in our lives by the way we use our days. I pray and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.